And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Pursuing Purpose, the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Purpose, the podcast. I am your host, Monique C. Basin, and this is episode six of the podcast. However, this is the first episode of 2020, so before we get into the episode, I would just like to take one moment to wish you a very happy and blessed new year. I pray that your new year has gotten off to a great start so far, but just in case it hasn't, I pray that it gets better. So let's jump into this episode. My guest today is Paul Bache Williams. Bache is a licensed psychotherapist and clinical social worker who works with at-risk youth individuals, couples, and families at his own counseling practice, Hearts and Mind Counseling. He is also the proud father of one son and a gifted writer who loves to use his writing to help others. Bache is very well known for his trademarked brand, Dear Future Wife, which is also a book that he released that serves as a man's guide and a woman's reference to healthy relationships. Additionally, he is an actor and sought-after public speaker who has spoken at panels and conferences all over the country, and he has appeared on BET, Huffington Post, Sister Circle Live, and countless other nationally syndicated radio and television shows and movies. In this episode, we talk about his journey to purpose and how he discovered his purpose as a counselor. In addition, he provided some very wise information and invaluable insight about relationships and how Christians can incorporate their faith into counseling and therapy. So let's take a listen to this episode now. Bashe, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to meet with me today. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're going to get started with a few easy questions, and my first question for you is this. When did your introduction to the Christian faith begin? Who first introduced you to God, and what was your Christian upbringing like in terms of church attendance and involvement? Well, my mother, um, she was, well, eventually she became a minister, my father was a deacon, but at an early age, we were raising um, the church. Um, I remember as in New York, I actually remember the, I think it was kindergarten or preschool, it was um, Manhattan Bible School that I was started off in, but of course we went to church every Sunday. Um, and was real active in the church. My mother was active in the church. Um, we, I remember many car rides and listening to the wine at the Clark Sisters. My mother used to have Bible study every Wednesday, and I remember sneaking under the table when she was preparing the food and sneaking scallops because definitely <laughs> I love scallops. I have that very fond memory of um, them before Bible study, sneaking them scallops. But, yeah, it's been a foundation. It's been my start. It's been my rock. Um, it continues to be so. Because um, from middle school, I ended up graduating from. I was in a I was, first. I was in a choir. I was in a um, seven middle school choir um, at my church. So I was very active in the youth ministry. Um, I remember having a solo. Um, and then high school got a little bit. You know, you going through the high school phase, but I still went to church every Sunday. Still went to Bible study. Um, and then just continued after that um, relationship has gotten stronger and stronger um, in belief. So, yeah, that's when I first started when I was a little baby. So, and still thinking about your childhood as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
so many different things. I think I think it was always a, a lawyer, an attorney. I was little. I wanted to be an attorney, and I don't know why. I don't know why I wanted to be an attorney. Yeah, that's what I can really think of. I think an attorney, and then I wanted to like basketball or something, and then I wanted physical therapy. Being an attorney was always at the forefront for some reason. So you wanted to be an attorney growing up. So how did you become a social worker and a therapist? And let me give you a part B for that question. When did you first realize your God-given purpose, and how did you come to realizing that? So I think those happened around simultaneously when I switched into the degree of social work. But look back up to to get back into how do I got how I got into it. So growing up in kind of like the hood, impoverished neighborhoods, at risk, vulnerable. Um, neighborhoods um, where we lived. It was first in Bronx, New York, where it was a lot of crime, a lot of poverty there. We lived in a building, um, apartment building. My mother ended up being a superintendent there. Um, with the perks was we had free rent, but it was still, we still in the hood, you know, so it was a lot of um, crime, a lot of just violence, um, again, poverty, stuff like that. And then moving to Suffolk, Virginia, we moved into, it was like a lateral move. It was just down south. So the activity around was still the same. It was like, you know, somewhat crime. It was just slower, but there was still the poverty. My mother was a property manager then. And then we moved to Maryland. She got a job at one of the worst neighborhoods in Maryland. And they required us to live there. And so we were in a neighborhood that eventually was surrounded by a gate. There was a gate. There was a, a entrance in the, that was uh, security. Um, at the front, and then there was an entrance at the bottom, and there were police there. So there was always stuff going there. There was three different courts in there. Second court is where we lived. Third court is where a lot of the drug dealers and violence and guns and deaths and stuff like that. And we had a trailer park behind us, so they were the drug dealers used to sell drugs to people in the neighborhood and also the trailer park behind us. So in that particular neighborhood, there used to be a social worker that used to come into our neighborhood and do groups. And so he did groups to kind of, you know, help the younger people um, be a part of change in a sense. And so I used to, because I was kind of like an introvert and shy, I used to sit in the back of the group, but he used to always call me to the front to kind of help out. So I was facilitating the group. And then we met one-on-one. He said, you know, you know, I'm coming into your neighborhood. You will be an asset. I think you should look into this. And it was a white, red-headed um, man, and he was just like, you know, I shouldn't be here. You should be here. Like, we, you need some of you in here. And I was just like, at that time, I was like, social workers don't make any money. So I was like, that is not what I'm trying to do. So little did I know that he was making six figures at that particular time. So this was like the 90s, early 90s, um, because he was in private practice and he ran programs and all of that. So once I got to college, I explored with being an attorney. Um, I explored with business and also physical therapy. Physical therapy didn't work out because they told me I had to do pre-physical therapy and I didn't like the classes. Business, it didn't because I didn't feel like like going the business route, like marketing and stuff like that. I wanted to be a business owner. So if it was just like something for entrepreneurs, strictly based on that, I would have gone along with it. Um, and then law school, I just thought about the long term being in school. I was a freshman, so I wasn't thinking about going that, that long. But I guess my sophomore year, sophomore year summer, I came, no, freshman year summer, I'm sorry, I came back home. And then that same mentor, who's now my mentor now and a good friend, 
he for me a position as a um, administrative assistant at a therapeutic camp that he was running. So mm-hmm. I started as administrative assistant, but by the end of the camp, I was a counselor. Wow. So it was like, this is it. This is it. And then I tied everything together because prior to that, just thinking about everybody came to me with their issues or problems or just a place to talk to. Um, and then I would always offer advice, support, um, resources, just naturally. And whether it's praying for somebody or bringing somebody to the Lord or whether it's um, telling them what they can do or switch their thought process or whatever, it always was alignment in helping and sorting out and being a, a resource um, and an advocate for people who had less or didn't have enough. So I was that person, and I said, okay, this is something that I need to explore. And then I took a marriage and family class, and after I took that class, I fell in love with relationships, mm-hmm. fell in love with the principles of marriage and the understanding of it, and just always wanting to help couples. And that's why I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. So from that point on, I went and got my bachelor's, and I was going to go to grad school and get a dual degree. I was on my JD and master's in social work. Um, but I met someone, and then my son was coming. And so then they offered me a one-year program to get my master's, so it was a no-brainer. And I was just like, let me just do this social work master's. And I knew about the different channels because I still had my mentors, so I had resources back at home. And then also coming to the knowledge that you could make money in social work. So I was just like, all right, it makes sense. And it's in line with purpose, so. That's such an interesting story. Um, You know, it just – it seemed like everything that you went through and, you know, from your environment to, you know, mm-hmm. your personal instances with your uh, mentor, all of that worked together. You know, God was working all of that together, bringing you to the point where you were in discovering your purpose. And that's just that's right. how it often is, you know. That's right. how it often uses people and situations to bring us closer to our purpose. So I love that story. Um, and another thing, let me add this, because this is very okay. vital, too. So I took some time off of school. Um, I took a semester off, and I wrote down, and this was my, my relation as an adult got stronger with God. I wrote down the different things that I wanted to accomplish, and I wanted to have a better relationship and do this. And I did a fast. Um, it was my first time fasting independently without letting anybody know. And I wrote down, and I tied everything to Scripture. And all those things came to pass. And when I was went to back to school, all the things that I wrote down, I was in alignment with. And I knew, okay, this is the degree that I want to go into, and this is what I want to do. So I can't leave that part out because that was very vital. You just mentioned the importance of scriptures in terms of your journey to purpose. So what is your favorite scripture in this season of your life? Um, so many. But I, I always say, because I have a tattoo, because the day my son was born, Isaiah 9-6, um, on his actual birth date, that was my sister's daily reading, her morning reading, um, for until the child is born. So that, at that point, um, it ties to my son. That's every day. And I always have a reference of where I'm going to because regardless of what's going on, I know he's here for us. Um, so it can be any day. Any day you rebirth your re- relationship. Any day you come back to the knowledge of the truth. Any day that you're struggling with something, you know that where you come from, you know, what was born, you know, that God put Jesus here for us. So regardless of what's going on, you, I always go to that, that scripture, I always go to my son and I know how the two tie together. I know my purpose is still supported and I'm still driven by anything that's aligned with that. Amen to all of that. So by Shay, I first became familiar with you because I would see people whom I was following on social media 
constantly reposting your sayings and quotes and letters to your future wife. And I will always wonder who is the person posting these beautiful sayings and letters to his future wife. Then I started following you and connected with you and always loved your content. But I've always wanted to know what was the motivation behind the launch of Dear Future Wife? Uh, it was actually uh, several different things. So one of them was just this desire to have a healthy relationship. Um, after I've always had this vision of me being in a healthy relationship, being a, a good husband to a good wife, and regardless of what we're going through, we're going to do this thing together, and then a white picket fence and the, the big house and the dog and the kids and all that type of stuff. And then, but I didn't consult. I didn't consult with God. And so what I did was I tried to apply that to every relationship that I went in. So I was like, oh, I'm in a relationship, so this is going to be my wife. This is my dream. This is what I do. So let me do everything that I think a man, really what a husband is supposed to do, and I'm doing that in with a girlfriend. I'm doing that as a boyfriend. I'm doing that dating. And I'm not holding anything sacred for marriage. And I'm, I'm also ignorant to the fact that there is no such thing as perfection, but it takes work and understanding and patience and grace and all those things. And with the ability, well, I had the inability to walk away from things that weren't for me. So once I got into a relationship, I was like after college, I think it was like my second relationship, and that relationship did not work out. It was traumatic for me. And so what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to take a break from relationships. That was part of my fast, too. And I said, I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start writing the things as opposed to applying it to other people. Um, and so it started Dear Future Wife. So Dear Future Wife, I'm going to improve today. Dear Future Wife, I want to do this, blah, blah. And so that's how it initially started. And then once Facebook became a thing, I saw people's questions and different issues with relationships. And people would come to me with their relationships and issues and stuff like that, questions. And what I did was transform my answer into a dear future wife for accountability for both sides okay. um, and for understanding of both sides. And so it just became this thing. Um, and it was like just on Facebook and then um, it turned into a blog and then it turned into my book. Okay. And speaking of your book, Dear Future Wife, A Man's Guide and a Woman's Reference to Healthy Relationships, what was your purpose for writing this book and what are a few takeaways that you are hoping that readers will gain after reading this book? Well, the purpose was to provide healing, understanding, connection, and correction. And some, some of the things, because our thought process about relationships have shifted. Um, so there's a, you know, there's the, the clinical aspect, there's the biblical references in there. There's the um, emotional understanding, the psychological meaning to a lot of different things that people um, I think sometimes we forget or we neglect or we just ignore or we just don't know. It has a combination of all those things and where I write some of those things that you said you saw online, and then I break them down into a clinical aspect or understanding. And then there's a workbook of how you can apply that to yourself, apply that to your relationship. Um, so there's, it's for every single level of relationship, whether you're single, married, engaged, dating, divorced, widowed, it's all those different things, and it offers the opportunity for really healing and really dealing with some of the things that you might have ignored or might have, might not have really dealt with. So that was the inspiration, and just to to share, to help, to heal, and to provide, um, and just to enlighten all the things that, um, everything about relationships. 
What I love about this book is that even though it's called Dear Future Wife, you have something in this book for both men and women. Yeah, yeah, because my whole thing was, is like we have so many different things, women, and how they should be, and telling a woman she needs to do this, she needs to do that. And ultimately, we need to work on ourselves as men, and we can tell a woman to do all these different things, and if a man's not ready to receive it or he doesn't like it or doesn't know how to use or doesn't know how to um, take care of what a woman is doing, then it, it doesn't matter. Like, you can do everything in a book that says you're supposed to do for a man and still not be the one that he um, stays with because he needs to work on things. Like, he needs to heal. We need to really come to terms with some of the things that we've experienced, whether it's stuff that we've done in relationships, whether it's stuff, that's stuff that's been done to us in relationships, whether society has shown us how to do things or family um, trauma or family experiences or just um, different routines, you know, breaking cycles and stuff like that and, and acknowledging where things come from. So that was, you know, a huge reason why I wrote it. And, and that's what I want people to take away is to say, okay, what am I doing with myself? What am I bringing to a relationship? Not only with another to another person, but also to myself. Like, how am I impacting myself from these experiences? And what do I need to work on before I even consider going into a relationship? And it's an opportunity to heal some parts of us. But I always say there's some parts of us that need to heal while in relationship with other people. Because not everything is going to be perfect. It just seems like that because you're alone. It's just you in the box. But then you, you know, you run into someone, you find you're in a relationship, and you're triggered by whatever it is, and then you're ready to retreat again because you want to go back to, oh, which is good when I was single, so let me just stay single. But there's a level of healing that needs to occur within a relationship. So, Bashe, we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about church and therapy. So as a person who is called to both counseling and ministry, I see the benefits and the value of both going to church on a regular basis but also going to therapy. However, there seems to be a disconnect oftentimes between Christians and therapy because I know so many people who just believe that all you have to do is just go to church and pray. So what are your thoughts about this, and what advice would you give to a Christian who is considering going to therapy for the very first time? So I think initially, um, to answer your first part of the question is, We've been taught that. We've been told that. We've been conditioned, trained. We've been brainwashed to say that's all you need. Even if you are in the church, I think we're we're even taught that um, just believe. And we're not taught how to practice or how to exercise faith. We just like just have faith and leave it alone. But there's a part of, you know, you don't leave. You don't leave the actual thing that you're believing for alone. You leave the worry about it alone. Alone, and then you you go along and you apply the faith, because of course faith while works is dead. But really break that down and said, okay, I'm believing that I can get a job. So what do you have to do? You don't just say, oh dear Father, dear Heavenly Father, help me to get a job, and then the next day you got a job and you didn't apply, or you put yourself in position, and you didn't walk outside and just live and believe that it's going to happen, and then you run into somebody that offers you a job because you're in position because you're exercising. And because you took off the worry of those things. So um, application is, is so important, and that's the disconnect with we have when it comes to also counseling because, you know, the Lord puts things on people. He gives people's, um, people's gifts, 
callings. Like I was called to be a, a therapist. I was called to be a counselor. So if a person can tell me, well, I don't believe in counseling because all I'm going to do is pray about it, then when I pray, do you tell me my prayers aren't valid? Because I have clients now where we have sessions when we pray. I have, you know, I have men to come in. I, I used to see a Catholic man who just goes like, can, is it all right to pray? And I said, yeah, we can pray. Um, I'll lead in prayer. You can lead in prayer, and we can have a conversation. I have fellow Christians who say, I don't even know we can do that. Absolutely. This is your space for you to do what you need to do. Like, I want you to be your most authentic self. And if prayer is a part of that, I'm in agreement. You know, I'm, I'm here to support what you need help with. So it's, it's no reason why you can come to therapy and can't be yourself. You can't share your, your faith. You can't share how you pray. You can't share your relationship because it's all about relationships. So I think that's a disconnect. And we also, if we really think about it, we've always had counseling in our neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's been, you know, the aunt, the great aunt, the great grandma who's offered some advice. Um, sometimes it's biased, sometimes it's not, but we trust them in their voice. We trusted them with our information. But this is now, we have clinical background, we have understanding, and you have a safe space where that information doesn't get to your cousin, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. This is a place where it's safe there. Bashe, what advice or words of encouragement would you give to my listeners who are struggling to discover their purpose or those listeners who know their purpose but they're struggling to walk in it? Two different things. So struggling to find your purpose, I think you do some self-discovery. Uh, I think really understanding your purpose, your purpose really comes naturally, is are you really paying attention to it? Uh, and who does it, who does it serve? Um, and I think that's important. Like your purpose oftentimes serves others. And if we can really heal from the experiences that we have from serving others, we can really understand that this purpose, and we don't take credit for our purpose. Like so many times when I, this is what I struggled when I first, and I was just like, you know, I wanted to be like a ghostwriter because I didn't want this to be about me. I wanted it to be about my purpose. Like, I didn't want the attention of people saying, like, oh, who was that? Like, no, just read the stuff. If it applies, it applies. If you don't like it, just scroll past it or whatever. But don't look at the person. Look at the person. Mm. And that was a hard part for me because I did not want to be the face. So just like, let me let me not even post, you know, my face. Let me just post, you know, whatever came to me. So if we can really separate those different things, take out the ego and really understand that your purpose is to serve, your purpose is to help lift and provide for others. If it's through testimony, if it's through experience, if it's through um, what he lays and what he downloads on us, then that's what it is. Um, and everybody's purpose is different. Like not everybody's purpose is like this big, great thing like, like Oprah or, you know, Tyler Perry or all those different people. Sometimes your purpose is right here in front of you, around your environment. So just embracing that and just, you know, really paying attention, prayer, and really understanding yourself, I think that's so vital to really understanding your purpose. And when you're in it, and when it gets hard, because it will get hard, is to continue to remember the foundation of why you discovered your purpose and where you got it from. So when you're in the middle of it, just remember and celebrate your purpose. Really take care of your purpose. Protect your purpose. Pray over your purpose. Those things are so important, and I think when you're struggling in it, because it gets tired sometimes, but it's okay to take a break and then come back. And when you try to push through and you exhaust yourself, it becomes 
it becomes almost a bad thing in the sense that you feel like you have to do this and you're exhausting yourself and you just don't have the energy to do it, but it's okay to take breaks and come back and take care of yourself and talk about self-care. Um, cause you gotta, you gotta serve yourself so you can serve your purpose as well. That is very good advice. I love it. Bashe, what is one thing both personally and professionally that you haven't accomplished yet that you still want to accomplish? Well, Personally, get married, of course, but I, I planned it on my birthday. So I know everybody goes by January to January. My fiscal year of my my year literally starts on my birthday. So okay. I go from September to September is my birthday. And um, one of the things I said is that I want to, you know, it's the year of the wife. And that's where I'm at, the year of the wife, uh, which, you know, I had to do some work because considering purpose, some of the things that I, I always found myself stuck in a relationship because I felt it was bad to leave because I was abandoning my purpose and I was abandoning the person. It didn't matter how toxic or bad or codependent the relationship was. I stayed because that's what I'm supposed to do. So I've, uh, you know, I, I, I've never fasted so much in my life over the last year. Like I'm like fasting like <laughs> monthly, like a couple weeks and just like, oh, okay, another fast, another fast. But they've all been so powerful. My relationship has grown so much in this last year that it's been amazing. But so that's personally is where um, one of the things that I'm going to accomplish is the year of the wife, like I said. Professionally, let's see. And I want. I think I just want to expand everything that I'm doing. Oh. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to write some more. So I want to, you know, write a TV show that I have. I want to write another book. Um, I'm going to do Dear Future Wife Part 2. Uh, I want to do more speaking, high-level speaking. I want to work in corporate. I want to get sponsorships. I want to do all those different things. So it's really putting an exclamation point on the things that I've already done um, and just, you know, really stay in alignment. I want to expand my practice to, like, two or three offices. One want to see less clients and have more people working for me. So all those things is, is you know, that's the goal. Bashay, if my listeners would like to get in contact with you or learn more about you, what is the best way for them to do so? On Instagram, I am Bashay Williams. That's B-A-S-H-E-A Williams. Uh, also, Bashay Williams at Gmail. I have my website. is BashayWilliams.com. My blog. I'm about to add some more blogs, posts on there. Um, I'm starting a podcast. i got a couple episodes. So I'm just uploading them. Uh, and... Facebook is Bashe Williams, Twitter, LinkedIn is Paul Bashe Williams. So all those different things. Uh, you can find my book on BasheWilliams.com, or you can go and get it on Amazon, Books a Million, iBooks, uh, pretty much everywhere that books can be found is you can find my book. But if you want to contact me, any of those social media websites, uh, I'm available. Bashe, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to interview with me today. I thank you for sharing your journey to purpose and for all of the insightful information that you provided during this interview. I really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Well, this concludes Episode 6 of Pursuing Purpose, the podcast. I want to thank my special guest, Paul Bashe Williams, once again. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning into this episode. If you were blessed by this episode or learned something new, please don't hold it to yourself. Please share it with your family members and friends and on your social media platforms as well. Until next time, continue to walk in purpose, rise to the call of greatness that's on your own lives, and be blessed.